And welcome to the SA Capital Tech and Transitional Energy Podcast. It's Thursday, the 7th of April, and I'm back from the great United States of America, where I spent a week, um, just over a week, actually, uh, on all sorts of interesting projects, which I probably have to keep pretty quiet about. Um, but anyway, Phil, did you miss me? Andrew, you know I did. It just <laughs> was not the same without you. And welcome back. Thank you. Uh, well, hopefully the work I did out there will come to fruition, but these things take a little bit of time after you've set them into motion. Um, anyway, look, we're sort of, um, we're now uh, part into the new tax year, so everybody's looking for ideas for their ISAs and things like that. So we need to come up with some good ideas, I guess. Um, but it's pretty quiet out there. It's all quite difficult still. The war in Ukraine is still rumbling on. But of course, with the war in Ukraine, uh, everyone is thinking about transitional energy um i notice even when i do my bike ride in at uh sadly just before six o'clock because it's wake up to money on radio five um and then it's um radio five live at six o'clock with rick and forgot what the lady's name is now uh, but even they're talking about transitional energy and that sort of thing so when it's when it's on radio five yeah no it's all happening um anyway where would you like to start uh today phil well, I would like to start on the subject of energy, because there has been a whole bunch of news. Um, you know, announcements from the government on their plans for energy, uh, with, uh, you know, note that uh, Johnson's revealed plans for 95% of Britain's electricity to come from green sources by 2030. Well, that's not far away, uh, with big increases with nuclear, wind and solar power. Talk about modular uh, nuclear reactors. There's also been a statement out from government on the UK grid operations as well uh, and the management of those. I don't know if you saw that, Andrew. Uh, well, there's a huge amount coming out of the government, but I mean, I think you've got to, you know, people have to realise to put a, a nuclear plant into operation takes more than 10 years. So that's hopeless if your target is 2030. Um, actually, to put in an offshore wind farm takes about four years. So you can do that, but even that, you've got to get on, get cracking and get it done. Um, and that, of course, is why they're talking about onshore wind farms, because although nobody you know, likes them in their backyard, you can actually put an onshore wind farm up in probably under a year. And if you want to go green, it is the quickest and cheapest way of doing it. Yeah, absolutely. There's also context around this and the scale of what's needed. I mean, I, I saw some data uh, quickly this week. This was from uh, Renewables Now. Um, publication it was saying that um, the world global deployment last year was 94 gigawatts of wind turbine capacity 94 gigawatts um, you know and, and put that in context uh, today in fact this morning I was just looking uh, the UK was was generating 35 gigawatts uh, and 38 percent of that was from you know from from wind generation so you know these big deployments are lots of capital and as you point out they take time to deploy just in terms of context yeah and look this is a tech and transitional energy podcast and, and, and not an oil podcast but obviously the government also is, is having a little review of fracking uh, just for the record i'm totally in favor of fracking i believe it's completely safe um the sort of seismic reaction that we've been uh, having which which is where they stop fracking is the equivalent of dropping a honeydew melon on the floor uh, if you're worried about that when you're cooking in the kitchen 
you should stop using melons or anything in case you drop them on the floor. It's far more dangerous than fracking. Um, if you think we're going to contaminate the water, what the hell do you think the regulations are all there for? Fracking would um, mean that we wouldn't um, have to import LNG, which would reduce our carbon fit footprint by, set, uh, by a four factor of four. It would produce jobs in the north of England um, and it would create trillions of pounds of wealth, uh, which is an amount of money that I suspect that probably people don't realise that they are missing out on when they listen to these Russian backed um, protesters. Sorry, that was a slight sort of advert from me for fracking. Nothing to do with tr tech and transformation. Let's get back on track. Look, the way to the way the stock has been moving a little bit on this whole energy thing coming up, and correctly so, and we've talked about it quite a lot in this podcast, is SSE. Um, I think most people know that I'm quite a fan of SSE. I do own it in my pension, um, and it has actually been steadily climbing up. It's gone through 18 pounds now. Obviously, we have Elliott advisors who have been trying to shake it up a little bit. Um, I've been saying for some time I think it's worth £20. I still think it is worth £20. The only problem is, of course, from £18. That's only actually a 5% upside, which you could say isn't particularly exciting. Um, but obviously that's my target, and it can go on from further than that. Um, but they're the way to play it, I think, aren't they, Phil? Yeah, they are. And they, they um, yeah, that was, that's been a good spot by USSE. Did you see that they announced uh, this week that um, to announce with Siemens Gimesa? Uh, who we know, of course, very, very well, um, that they're planning to produce and deliver green hydrogen through electrolysis uh, using renewable energy from SSE's 100 megawatt uh, Gordon Bush wind farm in the Scottish Highlands, which I thought was quite, a, uh, quite an interesting move for them. Uh, we talked well, about hydrogen. SSE and Siemens Gamesa do have an ongoing relationship. Um, obviously, uh, you know, what we also know is that if you're going to start doing electrolyzer fuel cells, whatever you want to call them, to right. produce hydrogen, actually, when you run those things, you do need sort of constant power. Otherwise, it all becomes quite difficult and tricky if you keep starting and stopping. If you're going to have constant power, you need some form of um, what's known as LDES, long duration energy storage. And of course, Siemens Gamesa have a joint development relationship with our favorite Invinity Energy Systems. And actually, in my view, SSE, who do have a small sort of venture capital arm, should probably be investing into IES um, because it is the little bit of the jigsaw they actually need to go alongside all their wind farms. Uh, the other thing I'll just say with SSE, and um, this is me purely hypothetically stating it, I know nothing, I promise you, but I have always said that actually Shell, who are trying to put a lot of money into renewable energy, SSE would be a wonderful target for Shell for the simple reason it would give them a massive renewable energy portfolio, but also because SSE is a high yielder, it wouldn't affect the sort of dividend payment that Shell's putting out because they both generate cash like I don't know what. So SSE is also, in my view, a, a bid target for someone like Shell. Cool, blimey, right. Okay, well, that's, <laughs> that's SSE certainly in focus. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot going on there. And just continuing the theme of uh, of Siemens. Uh, also, I don't know if you picked up there. I don't, yeah, you did. We we discussed this one. Siemens Energy, um, and they're planning to uh, they're starting up industrial scale production of electrolyzers again for green hydrogen uh, in a multi gigawatt factory in Berlin uh, next year. So some some money being put into this. So they're using proton electro um, exchange membrane electrolysis. The PEM electrolysis is a as it's known, and they are going to invest uh, initially 30 million euros in this to set up uh, set up production lines. Yeah, look, I mean, again, you know, 
there's hydrogen is one of the buzzwords out there. We, we've seen recently, haven't we, that you know, hydrogen one or whatever it is is raising yeah. more money. Right. Um, you know, everybody wants hydrogen, 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 hydrogen. It's a bit of a buzzword. It, it can't be used for everything. And actually, it, it needs to link in with other forms of uh, green energy uh, in order for it to really, really work. Um, it's a hell of a lot more complicated, I think, than most people realise. And actually, I'll tell you what, the other thing, of course, the way we want to play hydrogen, taking you slightly off track here, is through our picks and shovels pick, which is if you can have a hydrogen economy, you've got to have hydrogen storage. Uh, and therefore, you need these very high pressure cylinders up to 700 bar. And of course, Pressure Technologies is the play in the UK. It's quite a small company. It's only about a 30 million market cap or something. But it had its AGM the other day. And actually, the stock, I don't know if you noticed, Phil, has been absolutely rocketing recently, um, which is nice, obviously. I can't deny the fact that um, it, it's pleasing for me. I do have a shareholding in it. Um, and it's now nudging on to a pound um having hit a low of about 60p yeah um but it's going up pretty sharply uh, again uh it is a client of vsa um so i have to be careful what i say but you know if somebody wants to get into hydrogen storage you sort of need pressure technologies and at that sort of market cap it's it's looking pretty vulnerable because as um, you and i have been been up there phil they have an enormous and i mean enormous uh piece of real estate in Sheffield where they build these things. These things are not small. They are extraordinarily long, aren't they? And of course, with pressure technologies, you've also got them heavily exposed to defence because uh, they make these for submarines. And right now, defence is pretty hot. And of course, they've got a precision engineering division, uh, which goes a lot into the oil industry. And of course, the oil industry is pretty hot. So um, pressure technologies, although it's rallied, as I say, quite strongly recently, um, I still think it's a complete and utter buy because it's ticking all the boxes at the moment. Yeah, it, yeah, it is indeed, Andrew. It, it, it is indeed, and uh, yeah, it's a super, super engineering company. And I, you know, I mean, that's exposure to, to hydrogen, but as you say, it's oil and gas and defence. Very unusual to be able to get that for an investment. Uh, just quickly on the before we leave transitional energy, I saw Green Coat Renewables. Um, so this is uh, the ticket's GRP. Um, and it's a big, uh, another big renewables fund, and they have said uh, they've, they've just raised uh, 280 million uh, euros in an oversubscribed placing. And uh, Green Coat Renewables originally was in Ireland and wind farms, um, but they're now investing in wind and solar assets uh, across Europe. And they're also generating electricity as well. So I mean, in 2021, um, they generated 70 million euros of cash uh, from electricity production. So it's an interesting, we've been talking a lot about wind generation this morning, but that's an interesting play in the sector to look at. Yeah, uh, and the other ones similar to that, you may have seen, I'm sure you did see, you don't, don't miss a lot, do you, Phil? Um, well, we had results from uh, Gresham House Energy Storage Fund, which actually, in fairness, were very good results. Um, it's it's doing extraordinarily well. I mean, I do have a slight concern about all of these energy storage funds. They haven't allowed what I call a decommissioning for when the, the lithium batteries uh, run out and how they're going to actually get rid of them because you can't just throw them away. It costs a lot, actually, to recycle a lithium energy battery. Um, but what I'll just read one little bit from their results, which I think is quite interesting, is and that is the board and investment manager are closely following the global response to Russia's military intervention in Ukraine and the ensuing humanitarian crisis, as well as considering the potential impact on financial markets, energy security considerations, power price volatility in the company's business model. 
terms of the impact on the company's longer-term outlook, for the moment, the indications are pointing towards a much faster rollout of renewable energy globally with an associated increasing demand for energy storage projects. That, my friends, is why we are so bullish on LDES, which is long duration energy storage, and it has to be every form of LDES because this is going to be massive and there ain't enough lithium to do it all. So people are going to have to look at other things. And I'm not necessarily just talking vanadium, which I often do, but they're going to have to look at pumped hydro, they're going to have to look at compressed air, you name it. This is a massive space. Yeah, it, it, it is. And my word, we've seen new slow and things starting to, to, to move. And, that, and, and by the way, the UK government needs to wake up to this. If there's anybody in government listening to this, please wake up to the fact that, you know, you keep coming out. Boris Johnson stands up and says, oh, we're going to do this, this and this. Guys, you've got to help with the investment in some of these bits of the jigsaw that are required in order for it to happen. It's, it's all You can't just wave your hands around with your flappy hair and go hydrogen, 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 build wheel farms. You've got to get people investing in the people who are actually helping make it all happen. Sorry, that was a bit of a rant. Right, correct. But it is correct. And a huge amount of capital is going to be needed if they're going to do what they say they are and, and move away, particularly from, from gas. So, so there we go. And then looking longer term on energy, still another theme of energy, but technology, IP Group, uh, tickers IPO, um, the market cap's 915 million. Uh, you're going to talk fusion, aren't you? We are going to quickly talk about fusion, Andrew, because this is where I started my career originally years ago. Uh, First Light Fusion, which is one of their uh, invested companies, say they have achieved fusion by spending less than 45 million pounds. Uh, uh, what is fusion? It's fusion to get a deuterium and tritium uh, to get a nuclear reaction. And you have to normally do that about 100 million degrees uh, in a thing called a tokamak, which is a massive magnetic vessel. Um, and, and they cost billions of pounds. And uh, Jet and Cullum is one, one example of that. But they're doing this using very, very high speed projectiles, hitting a target, uh, their own target technology. And they're using gas guns to, to do that. But uh, that was <laughs> Looks very, looks very exciting. Now, obviously, you know, fusion and the heat generated it is, and, and doing it on a sustained reaction is going to take a long, long time to achieve. Uh, and the jet in, in Oxford has been open now for, for nearly 40 years and trying to achieve it. So, But nonetheless, I thought that was that was quite exciting news. Actually, I, I, I get quite excited by fusion. I'll be absolutely honest with you. I mean, the ultimate fusion is the sun, isn't it? Yes. Um, and if you could create a mini sun somehow, we would it would solve all of our power needs for the entire planet forever. Um, but, you know, it's incredibly complicated. Um, and sadly, fusion is probably still at least another 30 to 50 years away. Um, maybe I'm sadly not in my lifetime, which is a shame. But there you go. Um, but IP Group, I think it just shows that IP Group is not all about Oxford Nanopore. It's not all about Sarah's power. It has actually a portfolio of about 200 companies. And it has a few little hidden gems in there that could be very, very valuable. Um, IP Group has come off significantly from its high, obviously yeah, yeah. with um, the switch that we had at the start of the year out of um, growth into value. I mean, it, it peaked at actually about 160p IP Group. Um, it's fallen all the way back today to 91p, so one hell of a fall. Um, and I think it's its last NAV was around, this is from memory slightly, at 180p or something. 
Now, you could say, well, has that NAV come down because of the, the uh, decline in, in growth stocks? Because most of their stuff is private, it's probably correctly valued. I, I would suggest that IP Group is stunningly cheap at the moment. I'm a buyer. But I own it, so I would be a buyer, wouldn't I? But I do think it's genuinely a buy. Yeah, well, can't be clearer, can't be clearer than that. And in terms of, you know, the NAV valuation and, and the Nasdaq tech valuation, uh, I mean, they they were coming down, you know, before sort of the latest NAV statement. So I think you know, there's an element of that factored uh, factored in. And of course, the US uh, were announcing Fed last night. Andrew, is that right? On yeah, rates? yeah. So you know, tech tech's been obviously pretty pretty sensitive um, to that, but I think there's an element now built into sort of tech valuations on inflation, interest rates. Anyway, look, moving on to moving on to tech, Andrew. Um, one quickly, one that we've we've looked at before, Traxis. Yeah. TRCS, seven million market cap interims. They were all right, weren't they? I thought they were all right. This is. So for those of you who don't know, not listening, uh, Traxis are a software and hardware company. They're very focused on the rail um, industry. Um, and they have, I mean, that software, for instance, is used for, and they've got equipment that monitors the old you know, tra- trackside uh, cabinets by the railway lines. You know, it's got signaling equipment in there and, you know, things get damp at work. And they've got kit that, that monitors the condition of that. They have software, for instance, that plans your staff. Um, and, 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 you know, train drivers, they've got safety software, so all sorts of things that the rail industry uh, needs. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're interims running you up by 30% uh, to 29 million, um, particularly growth in data analytics, which is, that's interesting to see. Uh, they also said that their, um, the analytics business, that was up by 35%, so it's quite strong, strong growth there, and also growth for their, their enterprise resource management software as well is used by train companies. This is the, the planning, the planning for drivers software. But I thought that was a nice set of uh, a nice set of numbers for Traxxas. Yeah, and the outlook was quite good. It was it was in market within market expectations, but it was pretty positive. Traxxas actually, it's it's you can get your IHT um, allowance if it's in an AIM portfolio with Traxxas. I'll tell you that because I run my mother's AIM IHT portfolio. And Traxxas is one of the stocks that I have in it. Uh, and actually, it's I'm, luckily I bought it pretty well for her. Uh, and so we've actually had some very good performance. I bought it for a um, nearer sort of um, 500p and it's now uh, 1000p, what are we going to call it, 10 pounds. Um, so although it's been flat for the sort of last year, uh, I bought it when it actually had a very, very big run up um, just after the sort of pandemic broke out. Um, so yeah, if you're holding an IHT portfolio, that's a sort of good stock, I think, to to put in. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is high quality. I'm looking at the estimates on it, Andrew, and sort of multiples, um, and like it's on an EV bit of about 20 times, 4 to 17, indicating growth. But the net profit forecast, and what investors, you've got to do your own homework, check this out. But uh, sort of consensus estimates, this was an icon of 10 million of net profit growing to 12 million. So growth in, you know, growth forecast. But yeah, good, good, interesting story. One that's one that wasn't so, you know, sort of clear cut is Gooch and Houseco. Uh, GHH is a ticker, 247 million market cap. And they had a trading update on interims to March. Gooch and Houseco 
Uh, it's been listed for a long time. This one I remember. I've seen this in the past. They they have um, they develop, produce, uh, and have IP in uh, special photonic components, particularly for for lasers. Uh, and the end application uh, for them is in industrial lasers, telecommunications, life sciences. So, for instance, I know that their lasers are used in the semiconductor industry. And I think that's for wafer, silicon wafer scribing, but medical lasers. Uh, that are used in, in elective surgery, but also medical diagnostics. You know, when you're going to look into the instrument and blink, uh, they may well be in there. But yeah, give some good in house go, right? You know, obviously it's hardware, it's technology, and I think that they've been impacted by kind of COVID and supply issues, something that they've they've said before. Um, but they've said uh, they've got record order books, right, 120 million. And you always kind of look at these and they're up by 30, nearly 30 percent. Um, but they said despite the record order book pandemic related factors, and there's all sorts can be in there, you know, manufacturing, logistics, shipping, uh, first half revenues expect to be circa 54 million versus uh, 58.5 million previously expect to be second half weighted. So, so this is one where and they've lowered their PBT, you know, profit estimates. But this is one where you kind of look closely, find out more about it and see as the sort of supply situations and environment changes. You know what I mean, Andrew? Mm. So so tough time at the moment, but something that could, you know, in the future as conditions, it, you know, ease in, in, improve. But, yeah, so, but I mean, I don't think conditions are going to improve for a little while, particularly, I mean, you know, We've got all sorts of so many issues out there. At the That's moment. right. Obviously, we all know yeah. about the massive consumer squeeze, but supply chain issues are going to get no better. I mean, Shanghai now is in complete lockdown again. I know. Um, you know, speaking to uh, our Shanghai team that we haven't seen for years, uh, they are not very happy bunnies. Um, you know, the oil price is still high. The cost of shipping is still high. Um, it's it's pretty tough out there, which is why actually when you see a company reporting good numbers and upbeat expectations you should be bloody impressed i mean the management teams must be doing really well when well, they do that well i do particularly where it's involved in sort of technology tech hardware you know getting a hold of silicon chips in the environment getting stuff built in this environment uh, is is not an easy thing and so uh, the good news is that people are back and visiting casinos well it's good news for quicksand uh, ticker is QXT, market cap 99 million. They have four year results. And I don't know if you've come across Quicksand before. They're just down the road from me in Newmarket, I think. I but they, actually uh, <laughs> but they, they, they Quicksand um, make specialized computer platforms that go into casino gaming machines and slot machines. And they, I've, <laughs> They, these, I went to a, uh, an exhibition of these machines at Excel uh, a number of years ago, and bloody hell, they are sophisticated now, these gaming machines. You know, massive screens, displays, different games that get pro programmed in, delivered. You can change them, you know, within the casinos real time. So they, they build and develop all of the hardware and software needed for that. And, and a lot of the big gaming machine guys outsource this to them. And they concentrate on developing the games themselves. That's what the game companies do. So they had um, they they reported a revenue growth of 37%, 37% to 87.1 million dollars ahead of uh, ahead of the 2020 number. And to you know deliver that under 
the supply conditions that they've been, I thought was um, I thought that was a really strong result. And of course, they got quite high drop through on this into profit. And so the profits, uh, their pre-tax profit, I think, grew to oh, adjusted profit for tax grew to 5.4 million from 1.3 million. So, you know, there's a company recovering and on the move. And as long as people keep going to or get back into casinos. Very impressive. Maybe I'll just update you on a little bit of uh, international news that I found interesting. I'm sure you saw all of this, but I see that Samsung Electronics uh, overnight forecast its highest ever first quarter operating profit since 2018 off the back of strong smartphone and microchip sales. Um, Having said that, um, you know, it's still got quite a lot of issues, Samsung. I also see that Warren Buffett and his Berkshire Hathaway have bought a state worth 4.2 billion in HP. Uh, the computer and printer maker, which is interesting that he's obviously seeing value there. And of course, Elon Musk has built up this huge stake and is getting onto the board of Twitter yes. um, and wants an edit button. And there's a, obviously a lot of controversy about whether there should be an edit button. I'm actually in favour of the edit button. And the reason being is that I often tweet. I quite like tweeting, actually. Uh, I'll be honest, with you, it's all business. Um, um, but my spelling's terrible and my typing's terrible. And often I tweet, I think, oh, God, I've completely misspelled that. And it'd be quite nice to edit it and go and correct it. Uh, but you can't at the moment. So personally, I'm all in favour of an edit button for that reason. I don't know about yourself. <laughs> You're not a big tweeter, are you? No, I'm not very shy. <laughs> You'll have to show me what to do, Andrew. I must admit, I'm a bit of a luddite when it comes to Twitter. You've got any followers? You probably don't even have an account. Yeah, I do. Uh, how many followers you got, Phil? Well, look, I'm not discussing this any further. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not quite up to a thousand yet. That's my target. I do want to go through a thousand. But uh, uh, obviously, I have very loyal Twitter followers. My handle, by the way, if anybody's listening to this and they don't follow me, is a monk monkey. Uh, please follow me. Let's get a few more followers on board. Absolutely, you can have mine. <laughs> ah, there we, there, there we go. Right. Anything else for this week? You want to? Uh, I, I don't think there is. I think that's, that's enough. I think that's probably about it for me. Now that we have got Easter coming up, I know a lot of people are on holiday this week, so you're probably listening to this podcast whilst you're on holiday. Um, I think people will be, I'm not sure if you're around next Thursday. I, I'm, I'm around, but I'm down in Cornwall uh, doing a bit of mining research um, because I'm still trying to um, rejuvenate the entire Cornish mining industry. Um, but we'll find a way of keeping this podcast going over the Easter period. Um, as you normal, as I always say, if people have got comments, then please um, let us know. If people have got any stocks they'd like us to have a look at and then talk about. I'm more than happy to have a quick look at a stock, give it a quick analysis, and I'll tell you what I think. Um, but there you go. Feedback, the comments, we do love them. On that note, Phil, um, thank you very much. Excellent. Chat again soon, Andrew. <laughs>